0: Hello,
1: I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com.
0: Welcome to the Ransomed Heart podcast. I'm Craig McConnell in our studio with Chris Hack and Morgan Snyder and Okay, we're going through <laughs> Wild at Heart sessions, and and you're, we're we're getting excerpts or little little parts of those. And I've got to just admit, when Bart speaks on the Adventure to Live, I mean, as he steps up there, what are you thinking?
1: You know, if you've never been to a Wild at Heart boot camp. Um, it'd be good for you to know that this is a place where McConnell is very uncomfortable <laughs> because Bart's stories are actually bigger and better oh, than Craig's. so much. Let's be honest. They are. Let's be honest. You I know am, what?
0: You know what? I am jealous of this man. <laughs>
1: and in this session of Adventure Live, Bart features some um, almost unbelievable stories from his childhood. And uh, if only for the joy— This is worth a listen, but there's so much more. So, yeah, we
2: want to invite you to enjoy a sample of an adventure to live. So much is set against the mission that God has for us. I mean, why is calling so hard to find? Why is it that some men spend an entire life and they're confused at the end of life about their mission for life? And until we get a category for the warfare and the opposition that's set against that, it will remain a mystery for most of our lives. So let's talk about desire. Psalm 37, 4, the truth of that scripture has, has been a guiding po- uh, light for me for probably the last 15 years of my life. Delight, the therefore, in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. It's also been, has gu- provided me a lot of truth on how to give my son to life as well. And there's really two parts to this verse. The first part is, delight therefore in the Lord, walk with God, and He will give you the desire. So walk with God and follow your heart. And it requires that we live in a balance of those two things. And if you get those out of Kelter, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. If we live our faith out with God, ignoring desire, um, it will lead to a soul-killing faith. Uh, just the study of knowledge of Scripture that's foundational in our Christian walk and our Christian Um, life, but if you ignore desire, it will just, in the absence of desire, that, that that knowledge will just lead us towards legalism. And conversely, if we just follow desire without a walk with God, that leads us to all kinds of dark places, idolatry, addiction, and eventually anarchy. So it requires a balance of these two, both grace and God and desire, and a lot of grace all over that. I want to take you guys to a story in the film October Sky. This is a true story about a young man named Homer Hickam. And it has so many parallels to my life. It's a story about a young man who wants to build rockets. In the early 60s, when the Russians launched Sputnik, it set off the race for space. And he wanted to be a part of that story, wanted to be a rocket scientist. And his calling became very, very clear to him. This is set in a place where... His passion, his desire, his calling is very much opposed. It's in a mining town in West Virginia. It's a true story. His friends at first made fun of his desire and his passion. His principal, who thought he was a pyromaniac, didn't understand his desire, thought he was a vandal, thought he was a a juvenile. And then his family, because he didn't participate in sports, kind of diminished what his desire was. And his father said, no, your place... Your place is just in the mind. It's a good life, and that's where you should be. That's what you ought to do. You know, it's a stunningly powerful illustration of the power of a father and son relationship, of how a father can inflict a wound as Homer's dad delivers an arrow right in the center of his heart, right in the center of his passion, right in the center of his strength. So I ask you... um, Does that bear any resemblance to your story? I think that's not only Homer's story. I think that's all of our stories in some respect. It's all connected to those wounds, those arrows that push us away from desire and into resignation. And when resignation grabs a hold of a man, we lose our ability to desire. But desire, it's critical to calling. You know, when we're young men, when we're young Uh, Very young boys, I think that's the time that our dreams come to us oftentimes because we're not assaulted by the world yet. And for me, um, it had to do with flying. I loved model airplanes when it started. And then um, my bow and arrows, I not only like to shoot things, but I like to see how high they could go in the air, you know. And um, I'd play with those sky hooks for hours, just shoot those things in the air until I lost them. In those early years... My desire was launching things through the air. And then it kind of shifted, and uh, we built rockets for a while and we did that. Then it kind of shifted. How can I project myself through the air? (laughs) And at 14, I remember we built this very, very crude hang glider, and um, it didn't fly very well. But the good news is we lived on the plains of West Texas, and there wasn't anything very high to jump (laughs) off of. So we didn't get hurt seriously. But I remember at 16, in this venue of trying to project ourselves into the air, uh, a friend came back from Acapulco and uh, had some home movies, and he was panning across Acapulco Harbor. And there, off in the distance, was a boat pulling a parachute with what appeared to be a man in it. Well, in the 1960s, nobody had heard of parasailing. And so we, uh, we looked at that and says, boy, we hadn't got any water, but we got miles and miles of prairie. So... We went to the Army-Navy store, and, and uh, we went in and said, you got any parachutes? And he says, well, I've got two halves of two different parachutes, and they kind of got some holes in them. And uh, we said, well, we'll take them. They said, they don't have any shroud lines on them. So we took these two chutes to my friend's mom's house, and we sewed them back together and tried to patch these holes up. And for shroud lines, we bought this nylon cord that kind of looked like shroud lines. And uh, for a harness, if you've ever been in a parachute harness... They really fit you pretty well, and the the straps kind of come around your butt. When you're suspended in the air, it kind of feels like you're sitting in a seat. In our harness, we just got a bunch of straps. We had one big one that came right up the middle. (laughs) And when you'd get airborne in that, your voice would go through a lot of octaves trying to get adjusted to it. But... So we got a 300-foot tow rope, and we tied this thing onto the back of my Jeep, and we ran, and we ran, and we drug each other, and we ran, and we finally got the rope right that came from the tow rope that went to the top of the chute that created the lift. And when we got that down, I mean, the perfect scenario was 10-mile-an-hour wind. You'd drive into the wind, and in about five steps, you'd be airborne. Now, if there was no wind at all, you'd have to run 25 miles an hour to get airborne. (laughs) You say you can't run that fast. You can run that faster if you're tied onto the back of a jeep. <laughs> you can either run that fast or get drugged that fast. Because if you fell down, we'd just drag you till you got airborne. <laughs> but we'd been doing this for a number of weeks, and it was springtime in West Texas, and we had picked this Saturday out to go out and parasail all day. We're getting the weather reports that was coming up, and as some of you know, if you've been in West Texas, the wind can really howl. And uh, sure enough, that day, the forecast was winds at 45 miles an hour gusting to 55. So we, uh, we went out there early in the morning hoping that this thing would blow itself out. And uh, sure enough, when we got out there, it was blowing every bit as hard as they had forecast. So um, we're about to give it up and go find something else to do for the day when one of the guys says, you know what? He says, why don't we just park the Jeep? We'll tie it off. You won't have to run. You can just go up in the air. If we can't get down, we'll just back up. And so we looked at each other and said, that sounds real logical. And so we had this friend that had been along on all this, and he couldn't run very fast, so he'd never done it. So we looked at our friend Danny and said, Danny, maybe today is your day to make history in this. <laughs> so we got Danny all strapped up in this thing, and and uh, we stretched this thing out. I mean, the wind is just howling. We got this parachute in a wad, getting ready to throw it out in the wind, and Danny's kind of sitting there sheepishly holding these shroud lines. We said, Are you ready, Danny? He says, Well, I think so. And so we throw this parachute into the wind and this thing just pops open and it's just pulsating with energy looking for some place to go. Finally, when that rope that creates the lift comes up on top, Danny just goes straight up in the air about 60 feet, just just like that. He was just standing right amongst it, just went straight up in the air. and, And when he goes straight up in the air, he comes straight down about as fast as he went up. And then he comes down and his body was horizontal. He hits the ground just right next to us we hear this bone-crunching thud just ugh, goes straight back up to 60 feet. <laughs> Comes back down, lands on his glasses that he lost the first time, hits the ground, goes back up again. After about the third one of these, we said, man, we got to get him down or he's dead meat. So, so I'm running up for the Jeep. I'm trying to get my pocket knife out because these guys are trying to hold on to this parachute. They can't do it. They can't catch it. And it's just, he's going up and down, body slam after body slam. And uh, so I'm running for the Jeep. I'm going to cut this thing loose when he's close to the ground, but I didn't get to cut it because the rope broke. But when the rope breaks, he's 60, 70 feet in the air with a 45-mile-an-hour wind. He's gone. He's gone. Goes out there about 150 yards, hits the ground. Eight guys chasing him across this field that's dragging him. He finally hits a barbed wire fence. And we were able to stop this thing and get him turned around. And, uh, I mean, Danny was a mess. We, uh, we took him to the hospital, and, and uh, I mean, he had a bad concussion. He had a broken collarbone. Most of his ribs were broken. His knees were messed up. He had contusions all over him. And uh, I remember we went to see him the next day, and... and uh, We'd kind of sheepishly gather around the bed where he was. And, and uh, you got to understand, we probably weren't on the best of terms with his parents because two years earlier when we went through the rocket stage, we inadvertently ignited a rocket inside of his house. So so we're kind of gathered around. And, and he had those glasses that were broken. They were just kind of sitting crossways on his nose. And I remember... In all that pain, he's trying to straighten his glasses up, and finally does, and he looks at us and kind of squinting through those glasses. I'll never forget these words. He says, My mom and dad told me to quit hanging around with you guys. <laughs> but, but Danny was not the only one that got torn up in that thing. I, I had a lot of injuries from that thing that resulted in seven orthopedic surgeries, nine levels of my back fused. I mean, it, it really created a lot of, lot of stuff in my life just through all of that. But that early desire also came as a young boy as I wanted to be a part of some great battle, some great cause. And I think that came from my dad. My dad fought in the South Pacific in World War II and fought in some of the most horrific battles in that theater and uh I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to do something like that. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to be a part of something. But over time, those arrows that come, they can transform that desire into resignation.
0: You guys listen listen. Each session needs to be heard in full. Each one. And Bart's just brings so much insight and laughter and joy and hope. I mean, uh, we're just howling in the Uh, back as he tells his stories. And and while we're smiling, God is just showing up big time. Isn't that true?
1: Oh, yeah. And the the themes of desire Hmm. and risk Mm -hmm. and validation, in this man after man, their reactions to how God comes to them through this teaching are remarkable. So we'd really invite you to enjoy the entire audio resource of an adventure to live and 10 years of some of our very best teaching and mm-hmm. conversations q a and dialogue on the message of wild at heart that we captured in this new wild at heart platinum collection so for more on that uh, please come to ransomheart.com platinumcollection